French Things, a podcast in which we explore things that we think are French. We go behind the myth and the truth to discover what lies underneath an expression, a cliché, a commonly accepted thing of the culture. Let's find out. Episode 8. French Toast. The postulate goes like this. French toast is French because its origin lies in the name, right? Before looking at the possible country of origin and a probable date of birth, what is French toast? It's a sweet dish consisting of slices of bread soaked in a batter of beaten eggs, milk, a bit of sugar or nut, and if you're this side of the pond, cinnamon most of the time. Then it is fried in a pan with butter until golden and served piping hot with your topping of choice. The 28th of November is a special day for bread and brioche in the US. Amateurs and chefs across the territory will mercilessly slice loads of loaves. Because on this day, America celebrates National French Toast Day. Who knew? Much like during Shrove Tuesday, crepes aficionados and tradition keepers alike pledge themselves to prepare, share and eat with friends and family an insane amount of crepes. If you have a sweet tooth, or if you want to indulge in a carby dessert without the guilt of enjoying it, you must celebrate National French Toast Day. It is a fantastic idea that the calendar reminds us that it's okay to love and develop a healthy, guilt-free relationship with it, besides the apparent nutrition component. Just like on crepes day, one has to eat crepes, which are a French and thinner version of pancakes. One can have French toast at least once a year. For the French toast connoisseur and amateur, this is an additional reason to enjoy and maybe cook this quick and easy dish. Having been in the States for more than 10 years now, it still baffles me to see breakfast menus featuring this humble dish. In France, the French toast is known as pain perdu. It would translate literally as lost bread because traditionally it was made with stale bread and it is still done with stale bread in French households. Yet lost here is to be understood as spoiled on the verge of becoming rot maybe, not as in his lost his marbles. Yet not all types of bread can do the trick and transmute into delicious French toast. It has to be white or champagne bread. Whole flour or fancy granary bread won't do the trick. In the States and many other countries where it is enjoyed, fresh toast bread or even brioche is used, not stale bread. And therein lies the major difference between France and the rest of the world. We stick to traditions, otherwise, pain perdu, would not live up to its name. Besides, pain perdu or French toast would never taste the same if made with a fresh baguette, for instance. Furthermore, depending on where it is being served, 
French toast is called by different names like bread pudding, gypsy toast, eggy bread, poor night's pudding, omelette bread and so much and so on. This dish is a sweet relative to bread pudding and has been used as a dessert and breakfast food for at least 1,500 years. Once in America, French toast was often used and popularized in early 20th century rail travel and it has been used in New Orleans kitchens for the last century as a breakfast item made with egg butter and certain spirits topped with fruit syrups and powdered sugar. Both the French and Cajun people continue to refer to French toast as pain perdu. It is made with ingredients that I've stated before, milk, egg, bread. To make French toast, eggs and milk are whisked together and the bread is dipped into the egg mixture and fried until golden. So if the French did not invent this tasty little treat, who did? A lovely legend tells us that a man named Joseph French created the dish in 1724 and advertised it as French toast and not French's toast. But before giving Joe all the credit, let's have a closer look at the facts. Most Latinists, Roman Empire historians as well as food experts, agree that French toast dates back to ancient Rome. A collection of recipes compiled in the 5th century by Apicius, the famous food writer of Roman times, describes a sweet treat made with dried bread and egg known as a alita dulcia, or another sweet dish. Apicius listed it in his opus De Re Coquinaria, which can be translated as of all things food because he was the first to think that trivial things such as food recipes were worth recording. We have him to thank for having those recipes now coming our way. I'd say it certainly predates Apicius, and maybe it must have appeared when bread leavening was mustered, as well as when chicken domestication came into play. Just a thought, because the most plausible reason for dipping stale bread in a batter is economical, Food cannot be wasted. Others believe that pain perdu, or the modernized version of it, French toast, as it is now universally known, was created by medieval European cooks who needed to use every bit of food they could find to feed their families. They knew all-day bread would be revived, even transformed, when softened and bettered, if we can say, with liquid and heated after that. They added the eggs for additional moisture and protein. They were equally eager to use the bread and the butter, sweetened or savoury. In the 40th century in Germany, French toast is named poor knight's pudding because it is a cheap meal that even impoverished but virtuous knights could afford. Around the same time, between 1362 and 1392, Guillaume Tyrell, better known as Taivon, a renowned cook in the kitchens of the French court and the author of Le Viandier, presented a recipe for toasté doré, or a golden toast. Toasté is the French word that gave toast in English, a word which gained an A upon crossing the channel. 
The Le Viandier book was the most influential French cookery book from the Middle Ages and has rapidly been translated in Dutch and English and copies circulated all around Europe by the 15th century. While it indicates to use hard bread and to coat it in egg before frying it in a pan, Taivon's recipe doesn't include milk. Fast forwards to the 1400s and you'll find a similar recipe at the court of Henry V where the lost bread attracted many fans. The food expert of the 15th century, Martino da Como, offered a similar recipe in his book. Later, François-Pierre de la Varenne contributed greatly to French cuisine and his groundbreaking book, Le Cuisinier François, published in 1651, featured bread and egg dishes similar to our French toast. Lavarenne was the foremost member of a group of French chefs writing for a professional audience who codified French cuisine in the age of Louis XIV. Still, it wasn't until the mid-17th century that the term French toast appeared in England. Food historians believe the term French does not even mean France. Instead, it could refer to the verb to French, which means to slice in old Irish, of all places. As ambassadors, diplomats and notable visitors travel from court to court, they also bring with them anecdotes on a number of things, and the food and the dishes they tasted were no exceptions. This is how recipes and ideas spread. This is also why cookbooks are translated and specific dishes or traditions become known to others and are sometimes integrated, albeit with variations, into their own countries. Their original name remains sometimes and identifies them for what they are. This is why, for instance, Hollandaise sauce is sauce Hollandaise and not Dutch sauce. But back to our French toast. So French toast is actually sliced toast dipped in egg butter for the rest of the world. But to French people, this toast is yesterday's dry or stale bread. Back in a time when food was scarce and certainly nothing ought to be wasted, this dish was a way to use up all the bread from the days before that had become stale, hard as rock maybe, and thus much less palatable even with jam or honey. Religious reasons and observance of Christian principles required that bread be considered sacred food because as it nourishes our body when it becomes the body of Christ upon being consecrated by the transubstantiation, it is converted into divine spiritual food. Bread imbued with sacred symbolic powers must be respected as such. Wasting bread meant disregarding the sacrifice of Christ. Thus, in times when the Bible ruled lives and organized society, bread waste was frowned upon, to put it mildly. Therefore, any waste was linked to being close to committing a deadly sin. Fear of being refused at the gates of Eden and commonly used proverbs infused enough guilt to avoid throwing away bread, stale or not. Until recently, 
It was also common practice in Europe to bless the loaf by tracing a cross on its flat side with the sharpened end of the knife before cutting it and sharing it with the family or friends or visitors. Doing so, reminisced all guests of the Last Supper, of course. And if that was not good enough a reason to eat bread ceremoniously and not discarded it, dried bread would be used as the main ingredient for various subsequent dishes, French toast, bread puddings, stuffing for game and turkey, bread soups such as ribolita, onion soup, even in a salad like the Sicilian panzanella, recycling before it was fashionable. Dipping the leftover bread in a mixture of eggs and milk and frying it in a pan brought it back to life and made it for a substantial and very filling dish to feed a family. And it's not a new idea. Religious symbolism put aside, it's just plain common sense of the best use of resources, really. The French toast, as it is known in the States, consists of toast bread dipped in a light butter of milk egg, as we said, and sometimes spices. The bread must soak up as much liquid as possible to provide moistness and fluffiness upon cooking. The slice is then fried in a pan with a very, very good amount of butter. If you're French and you do it by the book, no sugar in the butter. After, sprinkled on it, yes. If you're not French, you can add sugar, spices and many other things in the butter. This is why it's still a bit odd to call it French. I suppose everything is better in French. Jokes aside, <laughs> the name French toast is said to have been used first in England in the 17th century before the recipe crossed the ocean to land in America with the early settlers. The English had a version of such a dish, which is called the white pot, deriving from white pudding, and used similar ingredients. Side note, pudding is a common English word for baked things. That has very interesting origin, both in the name and for the preparation in and of itself. Irish settlers travelling to the US and Canada may have brought the term French toast with them. The name French toast appeared to have been first used in 17th century England cookbooks. The recipe and name were brought to America by those early settlers, as we said. It corresponds to time when adding the subjective French to things made them more appealing to the public, nor more fashionable, sometimes even exotic or rare for those with means. This objective bore the curious property of magically coating everything it was hooked on with a supposed and expected warranty for quality and superior enjoyability. Much like the candles in hyacinth bouquet, candlelight suppers, the trend went on to live. Kitchen Project Editor-in-Chief Stephen Block reminds us that, quote, Traditionally in the United States, we have an admiration for French cuisine, which we consider elaborate and gastronomic. And he adds, that's probably why this dish was named that way. It's just marketing. There's no chance that lost bread, as it is known in France, could have worked here. 
and since the dish was successful and the recipe was easy, the name spread. I have to agree with that, I think. What was fashionable because it was seen as exotic became a marketing tool. Side effect. It enabled chefs to inflate the price of the dish accordingly. It's a bit like in the 50s and the 60s in Europe when anything deemed American was seen as better and intensely sought after. Trends and their strange logic, I suppose. The phrase French toast also first appeared later in the Encyclopedia of American Food and Drink in 1871. However, similar recipes were also called egg toast, Spanish toast and even German toast. French fried bread, gypsy post, toast, sorry, <laughs> poor nights of Windsor, Spanish toast, nuns toast and pain perdu, of course. In Germany, it's called der Armerita, or poor night. In Portugal, French toast is a traditional dish called Rabanadas, and it is prepared during Christmas time. In Belgium and the Netherlands, it's gewonnenen brot, bread worn, because it's reused. In Spain, during Lent, the local variation is the tojira. The Argentinian and Uruguayan versions are called tojera. In Mexico, it's pan frances, or French bread. In Turkey, a version called, sorry for the pronunciation, yumurtali ekmek, and is enjoyed for breakfast. But it does not contain milk, just like the early French version by Taiwan. It's fried in olive oil and served with jams. In India, the pain perdu of the French is called French toast, Following the influence of American series and movies, Bombay toast even is similar. But it's different in that it's a sandwich dipped in a spicy chickpea butter, then fried in oil. So, not exactly the same. In Madagascar, the pain perdu is called Makasoka, and in Senegal, its name is Mburufas. Almost every one of us has something to say about the pain perdu of French toast. This dish, for many, is the epitome of comfort food associated with childhood, maybe, or teenage, or when you're a student and you just have to fix something for yourself and it's Sunday night and you just have one egg, stale bread, and maybe a bit of milk. I know it is the case for me, and pain perdu is forever associated with my beloved paternal grandmother who made the best fluffy delicious pain perdu after a day at the beach, for me and my cousins. For many, French toast is the stuff that memories of good moments are made of. Happy and simple times, connecting us with family breakfasts, lazy holiday brunches with friends, or just a snack for snack time after school. Sometimes, as difficult or trying times roll in, respite or solace can easily be provided in the form of a fluffy golden slice of edible comfort sprinkled with just enough sugar to sweeten the day. It's probably the easiest and quickest comfort food to make. No gloomy winter day can withstand the gentle and instant gratifying power of this moist dessert.
This humble bready preparation is such a staple. It features profusely in series and movies, and some books even bear the name in their title, like The Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast, a series of five books by George Funk, the author, and Brendan Keeney, the illustrator. And I have to add that everybody seems to have something to say about French toast. Just type French toast quotes in your browser and you'll see for yourself. The famous British actor Peter O'Toole, the ever-dashing Lawrence of Arabia, of course, once boasted, I can make the best French toast. And countless American movies or series, as I said, have someone making or speaking of making French toast for breakfast or as comfort snack to alleviate pain, sorrow, or just to bring edible joy to the party. There's even a movie called French Toast that was released in 2015. If I remember correctly, it's about a girl on the quest of her French origins. And I wonder if the protagonist had been German. Do you think they've named the movie Gingerbread Man? Ah, let's leave this aside. If we want to pin a French toast in a key role in a movie, it has to be Kramer versus Kramer. The 1979 movie with Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman. And this is the one that really springs to mind. In this, there are two scenes of making French toast that reflect the situation of the character of Ted Kramer and his evolution and the evolution of his relationship with his son, Billy. The first scene is a tragic comic one where Ted, played by Dustin Hoffman, who is as much as ease with a pen in his hand uh, as a rabbit with suspenders, attempts at making French toast for breakfast because he wants to distract his son after he's casually told him between two sentences and trip to the bathroom that mommy has left. Although brilliant at his job as a lawyer, if I'm correct, Ted is useless in the kitchen and as a parent, and therein lies the reason for Joanna leaving. Because French toast is one of the easiest dishes to make, the subtext here is Ted Kramer, You fail at French toast, just like you're failing at your personal and family lives. In this tiny New York City kitchen, Ted talks too much. He tries to soak the bread in the glass, because of course he's used a glass and not a bowl, to mixing the egg. He forgets the milk, and Billy tells him to add some milk. He then burns the bread, burns his hand, and eventually the pan with the salt mixture end up on the floor. Here, on the floor, lies the symbol of his frustration, his powerlessness and his inadequacy as a parent. Fast forward several months later, similar scene, featuring the same protagonists, in the same kitchen, with the same pan. It's their last session at making French toast for their last breakfast, because it's the morning the son lives to live with his mother. This time, the pan and the sweet dish do not end up on the floor. Father and son, in a coordinated fashion, make the dish silently, almost religiously, with measured gestures. They're silent because they're well aware that it's their last meal before the legal custody following the divorce judgment begins.
The mastery of French toast making now symbolizes the parental skills Ted had to develop because he lacked them until the separation and how the relationship with his son during that time when Joanna was out had deepened to become a fulfilling one. But as often, those changes occurred too late. Joanna is gone, the marriage is gone, and so will Billy. All that was and is no more is concentrated in the simple hot golden bread. Who knew the humble French toast would be such a poignant illustration of disempowerment, sorrow, inner growth, change and regret? This is a great movie, I say. French toast in this movie reflects the staple many, many families share on Sunday mornings alongside orange juice and cereals. Peanut butter perhaps too. A versatile recipe, the symbol bread preparation can be enjoyed sweet or savoury. Many restaurants now offer on their brunch menu a variation of it. Kind like uh, build your own French toast if you will. One can choose among bacon, tomatoes, maple syrup, French fruits, berries, cinnamon, nutmeg and pumpkin spices when it's fall. As for the travelling gourmet, trying local French toast variations can be akin to, I don't know, assembling a collection if you will. In Hong Kong, for instance, French toast is a thick brioche-like bread, fried and layered with peanut butter, fried in butter with condensed milk. Nothing whatsoever <laughs> with the thing I had in my youth, <laughs> or that I sometimes make now. So it's no wonder with this Hong Kong thing that's a very elaborate thing that it takes more than 10 minutes to make. Hong Kong's love for French toast was born in the area of British rule over the island when cha chang or tea houses first evolved as re Asian Western cultural melting pots. Tea houses were serving milk and tea and French desserts for the British because, you know, French was fashionable. But everyday citizens weren't able to afford those luxuries, so they created their own versions of it. And as often, it's a fantastic addition to the culinary encyclopedia of the world. And now we've ended up with egg tarts and Hong Kong-style French toast, which is a great thing. Over the last years, being fancy with French toast seems to have become a way for many chefs to showcase their talent or creativity, developing their very own signature French toast dish that would ravish palates and eyes, transforming the simple dish to make it into the most Instagrammable as possible. So, have we answered the question? Is French toast a French thing? Well, simple dishes like this one were made simultaneously in many parts of the world using the same ingredients and recycling them in order not to waste any bit of precious food what's french in the french toast is the name soli which by the way is not even the name used in france fortunately one doesn't have to be french or in france to enjoy one of those golden slices of culinary happiness and that's the beauty of cuisine no boundary, no border can restrain the sisterhood of cuisines of the entire world to reach us. Discovering other tastes and customs through food allow for more understanding, fraternity, solidarity and just kindness. Let's make sure we never run out 
of those. French Things. This episode was written and hosted by Florence Vittel. Till next time. <laughs>